Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts by Trailblazer Consulting. In this podcast, we highlight proven solutions that we have developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply them to your company. We share our experience working with companies to solve their information management challenges. We tackle records retention schedules, program implementation and training, and more complex challenges like asset data management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will get further into the themes coming out of the assessment discoveries that are risks. Thanks, Lee. This is Mora, and I am excited to talk about the risks that we find in different assessments. One of the risks is that you start laughing and you can't stop. <laughs> that does happen occasionally in interviews, but more likely it's going to happen when you and the team are looking back and trying to think about where do we go from here. So if you've listened to any of our earlier podcasts, you know that we are still talking about the assessment cycle, the assessment phase of any of our projects. This is something that you can do if you're in the company or if you're coming in as an outside consultant. Either way, the first step has to be to understand where you are because otherwise you don't know how to, get, how to make it better. You don't even know what has to be made better. And that takes us right to this risk discussion. So last time we talked about as you're starting to do interviews and you get to two or three or five or 10 interviews with different people in different parts of the company, themes start to emerge. Sometimes those themes are strengths and they lead us in a good direction of how can we capitalize on something that one part of the organization is doing really well and bring that to other parts of the organization. We're going to focus on that in a later podcast. But often what you find in those emerging themes are big risks. And I want to talk about two of our projects in particular where different risks have come out. In fact, different risks than we were expecting have come out. So in the first case, we'd been working for this company for several months and we had spent a lot of time looking at a series of acquisitions. The, the, the parent company was bringing in a, a whole bunch of small companies all at one time. And we were looking at them from a systems perspective. We were really trying to understand how were they managing critical document sets. In this case, it was contracts actually that we were looking at. And we found some great practices among the subsidiaries and we found some not so great practices among the newly acquired subsidiaries. And we came up with a plan for how to address those. But what was the most interesting and surprising thing that came out of the assessment process there was how the developers were using data. So this was a tech company and they were busy building their products. That's why they were buying all these subsidiaries was to add to their product set and start building their footprint even bigger than it was. And so we spent some time with the internal development team as they were bringing in these different acquisitions and they were trying to incorporate the new products into the, the base product. What we found out kind of by accident was that the developers were using live customer data to practice on. They were using it because it was in the right formats. It had all the different characteristics that they needed to practice on integrations and how a new, um, a new feature would work or not work based on the data set. And they weren't doing anything bad with this data. They didn't even notice that it was real customer data, really. They were just happy with the formats. But once we talked to a few of these different developers, both in the subsidiary companies and in the central company, 
and we realized the amount, the volume of customer data that was in flux, we saw that there was a huge risk here. And this was um, actually almost 10 years ago when we discovered this problem. So it was kind of ahead of all the privacy data questions, all of the data breach questions that have been going on. So we went to our client and we said, hey, we think there's a problem here. I know you wanted us to look at how contract data was being incorporated and we've done that and here's, here's the results of that. But by the way, your developers are using live data. Let's talk about that. So our client, not surprisingly, was a little alarmed um, and she immediately contacted their uh, privacy attorneys, the head of data privacy, the head of IT, and we came together and had a couple of small meetings to figure out what was going on and where was the risk. And this took us to, it took us in a whole different direction coming out of the assessment than what we'd planned. When we went into this assessment, like I said, we were looking at systems that were being brought in and needed to be integrated as part of this acquisition process for all these subsidiary companies. We wanted to make sure that there were no new record categories that needed to be added to the retention schedule. And we had a, a later phase planned where we were gonna be looking at overall system modernization and how could they um, actually start applying their record retention schedule to their systems and their databases. But before we got to that piece, we had to stop and take a look at this privacy section. So we, so we pivoted. We met with the, the key people and we decided that we needed to do a real risk assessment around the way that privacy data, this private, potentially sensitive privacy data was being used in unanticipated and unorthodox ways. We actually convened what we would normally call a visioning session, but really focused on risk. And we brought in, they brought in probably 25 leaders from IT and from their product lines to talk about what was the likelihood of a breach, what would be the impact of that breach, and what was their uh, risk tolerance for it. If it was a small breach, um, one or two people, the likelihood was pretty high that it was gonna happen. And they had a pretty high tolerance for that because they really couldn't prevent it and they had to keep moving. If it was a big breach, a lot of data, a lot of customers, what was the likelihood and what could they, and what was the tolerance? Well, they quickly concluded that the tolerance was very low for something like that. Remember, this is a tech company. They had a lot of customer facing data that they were on the hook to protect. And having discovered this vulnerability where developers were keeping copies of consumer data, customer data on standalone machines in different parts of their you know, first server farm in order to make it easier for them to do testing, this vulnerability suddenly amplified. And so the group decided they had a very low tolerance for this and therefore they needed to take some, some steps, some big steps to mitigate this risk. And that was something that if we hadn't been doing the assessment and we hadn't had a broad brush to our, both our interview questions and our interviewees, we might not have discovered it and the, the company might not have discovered it ahead of some breach occurring and showing up that this was a normal practice, was not an approved practice, it was a normal practice in that developers said, hmm, we need some fake data, 
Where can we find some data that's going to fit all of our various qualities that we need for testing? Oh, let's just copy this set of data. Doesn't matter. We'll just copy it and we'll use it over here. There wasn't an approval process. They didn't, they didn't really think about risk associated to that data because of, it wasn't as, as high on everyone's list of problems that, as it is today. But it started them down a new path. I wonder if that's a uh, sort of a normal thing to do in the IT world when you're working in a in a, a test environment is take this sample data because it's perfect for the situation you want to test for, not really considering all of the risks associated with it. Because I know you're talking about one particular company, and I can recall two other particular companies that we were doing assessments for that the same thing occurred. Um, we found an entire development database full of personally identifiable information that was protected and then there was no issue, uh, breach didn't occur. Uh, so it was good that we found it that early, but it was to them, it was a normal practice. We needed to use this, this amount of data, this type of data uh, to test our, our new system. So I wonder if it's kind of a normal practice in their run. Um, maybe it is not anymore, but at, at one time it, it was. I think you're right. I think that was a very normal practice because the date, you're right, the data set is perfect. It has all the fields. It has all the variations of data that you would expect to find in a live situation because it's from a live situation. Uh, I'd like to think that in the 10 or so years since we came across these, uh, these few examples that we hit, um, that everyone's awareness has been raised and that if and when developers are using previously live data, that they're obfuscating the identifying details. They can still use the, the data that's not, um, that would have been personally identifiable, but without the real names, without the real uh, ID numbers and all of that. But you can see the tension between, come on, we got to get this thing tested and we're in a hurry and we've got, and the, the other side of it, which is we have an, an obligation to our customers and our consumers to make sure that this data is protected at all points in time. Okay, so the other one I was going to talk about uh, was also a surprise. We'd been working with a spin-off company, one that was coming out of a bigger energy company and spinning off. And when we've done that before, and that's something that we've done a few times, it's something that happens fairly often in the energy field, is uh, smaller companies break off and you have to do a separation of data. You have to stand up a new set of the you know, identical systems. You have to put new processes in place. And because we're in the energy field, one of the challenges that we always see is with the asset data. And um, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of asset data today. We've got, a, we've got some future podcasts that, are, that I'm very excited about to talk about all the asset data challenges. But today's about risk, um, just in general, not about asset data risk. And so we expected as we started working with this company, and we'd been there for about nine months, and we weren't doing a formal assessment, but we were really doing the support of the, the breaking up, the migration of the data, that gave us really good insight into uh, their starting point and also some of the challenges that they had. We expected challenges with the asset data. What we didn't expect was challenges with contract data. And as it turned out, 
that is the risk that emerged as the biggest problem that this company was facing. They had a huge amount of trouble tracking all of the legal agreements that went into their business model. They're project driven, interesting financing structures, interesting ownership structures, a lot of entity transfers. Once the once a project became operating, they had they had not only the asset data problems that came into play, but also operating agreements, customer agreements um, on both ends, kind of how they brought you know, the, the raw energy in that they were processing as well as how they were shifting energy out that they were selling back. Um, so managing that flow of obligations and ownership changes and all the data that went with them was almost entirely a manual process in this company. And a lot of people were confused about contract management as a specific activity separate from document management, just managing the documents that contracts are contained in. And in this case, they also had a, a third element of it, which was leases and land-based documents. And trying to, they were trying to equate these leases and land-based documents, contracts and obligations management, and just generic document management, trying to use a tool like SharePoint. All of it was manual. All of it was coming together in a in a confused way, and all of it was taking a huge amount of time. So as we continued to talk to people and identified the biggest things that they could be working on in the next year, as they were coming out of their transitions stage, contract management turned out to be the place where they had the biggest risk of missing obligations that to their customers or to their financers or to their partners, as well as the biggest risk of losing money by not, noted, not knowing that they had warranties that should have paid for something or not realizing that they were owed money by a customer because of the way that the obligations were buried deep in a document. So that was a surprise because we expected the asset data to be the, one of the biggest challenges. Now I'm not saying it wasn't a challenge, it was, but the contract data turned out to be a much bigger issue for them. So. The lesson of all this is as you're going through the assessment process, you did your problem statement, you have an idea of where you're headed, but you have to be open to what comes out of the discussions because other risks may be hiding behind what you thought the problem was. That was a lot of information. That was some quick, uh, quick details on some risks uh, that you find, whether it's uh, related to personally identifiable information or just the data elements within a within a contract itself. If you have any questions about this episode, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com. That's info at trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. What counts?